Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Welcome to the fourth in AudioPie's podcasts on Never Let Me Go. Today we're looking at the three characters that drive this story. Kathy, Ruth, and Tommy. How can you get to grips with a character? Try summing characters up in a soundbite. In other words, try to get to the heart of them and then branch out. Miss Emily tells Kathy she's done well as a carer. Does Kathy's role as a carer define her? Kathy clearly defines herself as a carer. In fact, it's one of the first things she tells us about herself. But remember that the beginning of the book is the present for Kathy. The words she starts speaking to us at the beginning of the novel actually come at the end of the story for her. And she still defines herself primarily as a carer, even then, even after she has developed a clear sense of what that care really means. One of the most subtle things about Never Let Me Go is how we as readers always see and hear things via Kathy's point of view, via her narration, and yet we seem to end up knowing more about her and her situation than she does herself. We get to see that there are lots of things she doesn't like to look at too hard or think about too deeply. Think about the end of the novel, for example. Kathy finds herself waiting for Tommy, even after he has died, imagining that he might come back to her, washed up on the shore with all the other lost things of her childhood. But then we hear... The fantasy never got beyond that. I didn't let it. And though the tears rolled down my face, I wasn't sobbing or out of control. I just waited for a bit, then turned back to the car to drive off to wherever I was supposed to be. So she turns from her grief and from the things that make up her particular and individual past back to the role that others have given her. The whole book shows us that Kathy has more depth, more complexity than this role, but in the end she turns back to being just a carer for donors. I wonder whether her novel is a late attempt to become a different sort of carer though. Is it her way of holding on to people and to herself as something more than just organs to be harvested? Miss Emily calls Tommy the boy with the bad temper, a bad temper but a big heart. The sentence rolls off the tongue, but is it accurate? Tommy is big-hearted, but he also cheated on Ruth with Martha H. Always look for alternative interpretations. Do you think Miss Emily's synopsis of Tommy's character is accurate? Tommy is certainly defined very much by feeling. Feelings that are very human and that he can't control in the way that Kathy can. But although he is represented as worse than the others at doing the things that are admired at Hailsham, as the novel progresses, we see that he is also thinking a great deal about his life and his fate. And Ruth? For me, she is the fighter, relatively speaking. She fights her fate the most fiercely. For example, Ruth on Rodney's reaction to Chrissy completing. How could he possibly know what Chrissy would have felt? What she would have wanted? It wasn't him on the table trying to cling on to life. How would he know? Tommy's anger seems more muted. On Chrissy completing, it can't be good completing at the second donation. But then his tantrums are caused by his frustration with being a donor. Kathy implies this when talking to Tommy about his tantrums. Maybe 
The reason you used to get like that was because at some level you always knew. Tommy's tantrums, Kathy's emotional numbness and Ruth's anger are all manifestations of their confusion and anger over their fate. Ishiguro is using their context, the situations they face, to build their characters. Or, to be more precise, he's using their reactions to the situations they face to build their characters. Exploring the situations and experiences characters face and their reactions to them is something you'll do in answering the Part A question of the OCR English Literature GCSE. Kathy's reaction to her context, that is, Hailsham and the donor program, builds her character. Despite being the most sentimental about Hailsham, this is Kathy on Hailsham closing. It was unnerving to think things weren't still going on back there, just as always. That people like Miss Geraldine, say, weren't leading groups of juniors around the North playing field. She is common sense and emotionally buttoned up. The fantasy never got beyond that. I didn't let it. All the donors are practical about their fate, but Kathy perhaps the most. She isn't close to the Guardians like Ruth and Tommy, is she? Is Kathy unemotional? Yes and no, I think. It seems to me that Kathy is actually very frightened of her emotional world. At the cottages, she is deeply troubled by her sexual feelings, for example. She thinks it must mean that her model, the person from whom she was cloned, was promiscuous in her terms. What is she looking for in the pages of those pornographic magazines? She is looking for her model, she says. But what if she might actually be looking for her mother, just as she imagines for a brief moment at Hailsham the possibility that she, Cathy, might be a mother herself? I grabbed a pillow to stand in for the baby, and as I was doing this slow dance, my eyes closed, singing along softly each time those lines came around again. Oh, baby, baby, never let me go. This isn't someone without emotions, but it's clear Cathy doesn't know how to handle her emotional world. After all, none of the characters had parents to help them with their feelings, and this is why the Guardians have such a potent influence on the donors. Now back to Ruth's character. She's hungry for life in a way that Cathy and Tommy aren't, until they fall in love. Do you think that's right? Ruth is certainly represented as more active than Cathy. She is keen to make sense of her situation and to exercise the very limited control she has over her life. And this sometimes makes her manipulative in relation to others who are less powerful than her. But she also seems to be defeated by the system the donors have to submit themselves to. By the end of the novel, she is seemingly accepting of her fate. Still, we never know quite whether her giving Tommy and Cathy Madame's address is really about fighting the system and hoping they can find a life together, or whether it's a final act of aggression, getting them to do something she knows is fruitless. So, for example, why does Cathy say of Ruth that she saw something like triumph flash across her face? What is the point of making Ruth complicated in this way, someone who is neither clearly a hero nor a villain? When you're studying the text, look at how Kathy, Tommy and Ruth develop and what causes them to develop. It's certainly important that these characters grow and learn. For one thing, as we've noted before, it's a Bildungsroman, a novel of development. But why does the author emphasise this aspect? Does it help us to understand that the donors are not robots? 
They are people who grow and develop a particular kind of understanding of the world in relation to experience. Kathy, Ruth and Tommy also help each other grow. Ruth and Kathy flag up each other's faults with gusto. So that's it. That's what's upsetting poor little Kathy. Ruth isn't paying enough attention to her. Ruth's got big new friends and baby sister isn't getting played with so often. It's certainly true that the novel is keen to explore how very recognisable relationships get formed in these most abnormal of circumstances. Relationships defined by in and out groups. Sometimes Tommy is on the outside as a boy who isn't succeeding as Hailsham. Then Cathy gets to feel like a spare wheel when Ruth and Tommy get together and when they both go on to be donors. How would you know, said Ruth. How could you possibly know? You're still a carer. Outside status is a theme in the novel. It's a theme that could come up in the part A and the part B question in the exam. This creation of a friendship triangle, where one person always gets to be on the outside, emphasises that these children and adults are just like us. It's all horribly familiar at one level. But characterising the relationships in the book in terms of the tendency to ostracise people who are other to an in-group also speaks to the novel's larger political theme. How easy is it for the humanity of an individual person to be diminished if that suits the purpose of a more powerful group? So to recap, firstly, when you explore a character, start with a soundbite that sums them up, a broad brush description. Then as you read the novel, look out for contradictions or ways you can flesh out this description. Note them down. Secondly, identify the context that the characters are in and then examine their reactions to it. Note the differences in their behaviour to the same context. This is good prep for the part A question in the exam. So that's all for today. Next, we'll look at the other characters in the novel. In the meantime, can you think of broad brush descriptions for Madame, Miss Emily, Miss Lucy and other characters we meet in the book? We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.